generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus-y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy, too. I'm Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Asian. My name is Bethany. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a black woman. My name is Chris. I use he, him pronouns, and I am a white man. So this is our first episode of 2024. Woo, woo. We're going oh. on five years. <laughs> we are. It'll be five years in June. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Only This is only episode 67, I know. which <laughs> makes me feel like we should prop. Maybe we should step it up this year. I don't know. We always say that. We do nobody's, always nobody's say Literally, that. once nobody's we say that. we're going to step it up, it actually means it's going to be six months until we record <laughs> yeah, it. That's so, true. So, like, yeah. delete that. Delete <laughs> <All> right. that. <laughs> okay. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing and have fun with it. Right. That's y'all, a good Y'all that are counting episodes, <laughs> knock it off. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> So, but our last episode was the last episode of 2023 where we had our look back. I Do we have any anything to say or add to that episode? Not that I can think I of. I don't know if we Just do. continuing to emphasize we need a ceasefire in Palestine. Yeah. The mm-hmm. ICJ kind of ruled in favor of South Africa recently, but mm-hmm. still refuse to use the language ceasefire Mm. so that's the only thing i want to add you know what this is i kind of want to say this i've never felt a lot of affinity toward mennonites and the mennonite tradition oh my god until now until now i am so proud to be a part of this anabaptist mennonite tradition are we all talking about the same thing there have been a couple protests and there's 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 one that went viral that i think was at this that uh that was at the national level where it's like all these Mennonites, or maybe maybe it was Senator Casey's, I don't remember, but like I just see, I just saw this footage of like Mennonites in four part harmony, like yes. blocking government. Yes. Okay. So hell we, yeah. In Philly, we were at Senator Casey's office. Okay. But Mennonites nationally, the Mennonite Action Network organized um, congregations across the nation yeah. to sing. What was the song? I can't remember the song. It's a song that we sung at Circle, and there was this moment where I almost burst into tears. So So to give you all some background, um, Mennonites have been organizing to um, stand for a ceasefire in Palestine, right? We, uh, the Mennonite and Anabaptist tradition is pacifist. I think we've talked about it before, Um, a peacemaking tradition. And in early December, I believe, um, yeah, Mennonite congregations across the nation went to their senators' offices, went to their, I think it was senators' offices, like state government, and protested by singing a traditional song. And there was this moment where I was like, oh, I know this song. Like, we sung this song at Circle. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me that this tradition and this faith is much bigger than our circumstances, that yes. I was a part of a body. Yeah. That was a really yeah. powerful and a video. deep tradition. And a deep tradition. Yeah. 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 Um, I do have a correction from a few episodes ago. I don't remember which episode this was, but when <laughs> Chris said he was into reservation dogs, and I was listening to that episode... And I was just thinking that Chris makes it sound like it's like a serious, uh, representational, important no TV show. It is a comedy. I had no idea it was a comedy, by <laughs> oh, the way Chris described it. It is a very funny show. Taika Waititi is a producer. It's about a bunch of kids living in a reservation in, in Oklahoma. And 
the hijinks and the drama they get into. Oh. But it's sounds really funny. Fun it's now. so it's a funny. funny show. I, yeah. Is I'm, it a reality show or is it not. scripted? No. It's okay. Yeah, it's a scripted show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we, like I, that you was a short shrift. Yeah. So you know what's like funny? Not. I realized I turned it on after that. And when it was a bunch of kids, I was like, oh, I must have turned on the wrong thing. And then I went to like Dang, something stupid no. on TLC. <laughs> but it, it like there was this dissonance that it right. was like oh, kids. Man. And I thought I was watching the wrong show. I am so sorry. That's yeah. so funny. Chris is like anti-representation because <laughs> his description right. made me turn. Yeah. Chris is actually the problem. Uh-huh. No, I didn't mean to do um, that. Yeah, like the first episode, they steal a truck full of like Fritos. Yeah, and they have to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, it's like the plot of the first well, episode. And like, and like, so his, like his spiritual ancestor that that shows up in all his visions. That right. dude's a riot. Uh huh. Yeah. That's so funny. It's uh, yeah, it's yeah. really funny. It's a great show. Yeah, my bad. Um, my bad. Yeah. Um So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a like perfect transition into the conversation today <laughs> because because of the uh-huh. language you use. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> you used a serious tone and like serious language. It totally misconstrued my oh. understanding of that TV show. So that's so my funny. Bad. Yeah. So that is our subject today. We want to talk about languages um, and and language and how that affects how we move through the world and our different experiences with languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I mean, I, I guess I speak a few languages. I feel like you're the only one that speaks multiple languages fluently in our group. Right. So how many languages do you speak? I I guess I technically speak three languages. I speak English. I speak um, Mandarin Chinese and Taiwanese Hokkien. Um, oh, what's the second part? Is that like a regional like a dialect? So the language itself is often referred to as Taiwanese, mm-hmm. but the actual name of the language is Hokkien. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's. I didn't realize this until I did a deep dive on the on the language. It's it's spoken in certain parts of southern China and also uh, among the Chinese diaspora in Singapore and mainly mm. in 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 Taiwan. Oh wow! Yeah. So, yeah, I speak those languages, um, and each of these languages has like a different feel and connotation to me. Yeah, I re- always remember you saying that when somebody speaks Taiwanese it feels familial yeah. even if it's like just out and about yeah. because that's like a family language for mm. you yeah yeah instant family feeling connection yeah. um although honestly when i when i speak it in taiwan sometimes people start treating me like family too just because oh, that's interesting yeah taiwanese as a language um so the communists beat the nationalists in in china in mm-hmm. the 40s mm-hmm. the nationalists fled to taiwan and wanted to use Taiwan as a base to eventually retake China. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, but one but one thing they did was start uh, enforcing Mand- Mandarin Chinese as right. the main language of Taiwan and suppressing Taiwanese. Um, so what it means is that Taiwanese still has kind of this like country, like uneducated kind of mm. feel and reputation in Taiwan. It's mainly spoken Almost in the like South. Slang? 
maybe like slang, but maybe just like you you speak Taiwanese because you don't know any better, or you didn't like okay. you didn't go to school or something. Okay. That's that's a kind of I was I was I was wondering if like maybe it's also subversive. Um, not really. Not really. It's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Just kind of like oh, that's like the language that old people speak, huh? Or like country people speak because they don't know any better, and because of that, Taiwanese. Uh, a lot of most young people in Taiwan don't have a good grasp of Taiwanese. They might be able to understand it because that's the language their grandparents speak. Mm-hmm. So when I speak it, when I'm in Taiwan, people love me. <laughs> you're the man, because yeah. you're speaking this language. Yeah, because that, it's like yeah, because it's like older you. people are like, oh, like this, this young kid speaking Taiwanese. What a like it's a novelty where it's like they, they you know. So I I make friends when I speak Taiwanese in Taiwan. Yeah. That's so funny. You get fed. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's interesting how colonization and whiteness has different impacts on our experience as different people of the global mi- uh, majority. Mm. For me, um, I don't speak another language, right? I'm a black American. I have been robbed of my native tongues. They, mm. they perfect purposefully um, separated tribes on ships to ensure that people oh, yeah. didn't speak the same language so they couldn't be in cahoots together. Um, and for a lot of us, our, our language was lost. Some folks would change their language or their tribes into their last name. So a last name in Delaware that's popular is Congo, right? And my assumption is that their family must have came from the Congo and at some point mm. um, made that their last thing. name, right? Yeah. But for the most part, if you're a black American, you don't have a relationship to a native tongue. Mm -hmm. And that has always felt like such a loss for me. Like, even as me and you were talking uh, a moment ago, like, it's almost like an opportunity to have like a secret language and to be able to talk about white people (laughs) in front of them, right? And I don't have that. But the way in which I relate is through slang. So Growing up, I grew up in North Philly, but my mom grew up in Western PA and homeschooled us, and she would go hard about like how we spoke, mm-hmm. right? Like she did not want us to sound like neighborhood kids. She did not like let us use slang terms. And at one point it was so ridiculous the way my mom would be on our language that and also, I think this was whiteness, right? I think it was a combo of me and my sister being a little too tight and this white lady not knowing what to do with, with black kids that like spoke quote unquote well. But like somebody asked my sister if she was British one time when we were 10. Hilarious. Like, really? That's how tight my mom was. <laughs> wow. well, and, uh, and I met your spoke. sister and I could see that going down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, so yeah, it. I almost feel like as you're talking about like <laughs> speaking different languages and having like this like almost kinship um, mm-hmm. with even strangers when you when you've visited Taiwan or lived in Taiwan for some time, it feels like such a loss for me because all I have is like slang terms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the '70s and '80s, white people try to use the word ebonics, and thank God it didn't catch on. But yeah, code switching and like changing the tone of my voice or changing some of the language that I use is the closest thing that I have to speaking a different language. Mm. But it's certainly so impacted by the white gaze as well as like my parents um, internalize the anti-blackness. Yeah. I feel like that experience isn't that different from having 
a different language though yeah you know? i don't think mm -hmm. it is yeah like well especially in this context right for me mandarin is like the language of uh language mandarin was like the language of like church when i was growing up as a little kid among these other chinese immigrants mm -hmm. but also it's the language that my parents would use when they were like arguing with each other oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah so that probably has a totally different feel yeah they would Wait, fight mandarin in mandarin they would... yeah <laughs> they would fight in mandarin so like mandarin has like this i don't know it has like this prestige feel it's like a serious language it's a power language, oh, it's a power language. that's it yeah okay. like the people in charge speak mandarin uh -huh. and when you want to like sound an outside in well in that's definitely true when my yeah. mom was mad at me she would she would start yelling at me in mandarin or she would say Amazing. my name in mandarin yeah what's your name in mandarin yang junan how would she say it she'd be like <laughs> she would it's just that but yelled just imagine this asian lady yelling it across the house uh lily. and that's my mom we can picture lily yeah um yeah I my don't... mom would scream uh -huh. that and like the eh out. <laughs> so there's a certain way that people, when people <clears throat> yell my name, I'm yeah. always like, eh, like yeah. I feel this tension. That's why I was like, what did it sound like? I was <laughs> like, do you still feel it? <laughs> it must've sucked for my parents in those moments that I just like, I just have four letters in my name. Like it's really hard to like yell, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I would have dragged that S out. Yeah, I think you have to rage. do something. My, you know, that's, that's when your middle name gets pulled into things. But yeah. That's interesting. So, like, they, there's there's some switching um, for emphasis. Like, yeah. I, for me, and I guess this moves us into this next subject, kind of. I, I think for me, the, the person that did the policing on my English was me. Really? I policed my own English. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I In didn't, what ways? Because I didn't want people to think I was a fob. I didn't want people to think I was fresh off the boat. So I was a little bit ashamed of the fact that my parents didn't speak perfect English. And I worked really hard to sound like an American mm -hmm. and to make sure my grammar was right. Oh. Um, There's this really yeah. interesting episode of Code Switch. Is it Code Switch or is it This American Life? It's this American Life. I, I was you know exactly what I'm talking about? Do you know the episode, episode I'm talking about? It's I don't know if I do. Which this one? This woman who, I, I can't remember what country she's from. Um, but she's also Southeast Asian, immigrated, mm -hmm. I think, when she was like 11. Yeah, I think she's Taiwanese. Okay. I can't remember yeah. at all, but it was a game that I love that they were like, and don't oh, any of you all yeah. play it. You know what I'm talking <laughs> this about? Is, yeah, it's This American Life. That was a great episode. It was, it was This American a, Life. It was such a good episode. Yeah. Such an interesting episode. So to give listeners a background, um, this woman would listen to people say three different phrases mm -hmm. and she would guess when they immigrated to the u.s uh -huh. but she was so she didn't get anybody exactly right but she was always within yeah. at least two to three years mm -hmm. or two to mm -hmm. four years and her reasoning was so interesting there was one person where she was like based on this i think you came when you were older and also I hear a hint of a British accent, which means you were colonized by X, Y, Z. And I think you grew up in this. I was like, this is so interesting. Yeah. But what yeah. I found most interesting was her talking about her policing, like yeah. the way she spoke English yeah, as she, well. She honed this skill by her sensitivities, mm -hmm. like yes, the way yes. she spoke. Yep. 
because she wanted to sound as like American as possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. not to have like that that back accent. Um, and and so like and and so the real takeaway is that for her and for other for other people who come here, there's a there's like always this like kind of meta to your speaking English that's um, that's critiquing mm-hmm. every every little nuance, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and tweaking it mm-hmm. as you're speaking. Yeah. For her. No, I mean, I think that's, pro- that's generally true for immigrants. I know it's, def- it's true for me. I'm probably not the first, per- I'm not the first person to make this observation, but it does kind of suck that chi- the Chinese accent isn't cool because there are cool, ac- there are like accents that are considered like cool. There right? are accents Where if that you are sp- considered Where if you cool. like have them, like if you have a British yeah. accent, you're not like, oh, I better hide this. I better try to sound American. Like, or if, you know. I like, know a no, Jamaican guy that told me he works really hard to keep his Jamaican accent. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I think he was two steps of, away from saying, like, because women like it. And I think the only reason he didn't was because he wanted me to be the women's that mm. liked it. But I could tell by the smile on his face that there was something behind why he keeps that, that yeah, accent. Definitely. But I thought that was really funny when he said that. Uh-huh. He was like, yeah, I make sure that I keep it. I was like, so does that mean you're performing it a little bit? <laughs> I'm like, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Well, that's, I mean, that, and that's definitely one of the things we're, we're playing with here, right? Like, there, like, there's a performative aspect to language in general mm-hmm. um, that you, like, you play up or play down depending on where you are and who you're with. Depending on, yeah, what are, what's the benefit of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. There are certain connotations to accents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has the white gaze, like, kept you? From speaking your language like did you try not to speak it in person did you try to like avoid your parents having to speak at an event or something like what did the white did the white gaze kind of dilute your relationship to your languages I mean that's it definitely did for me because of the forces of assimilation and the mm-hmm. fact that I wasn't well prepared to deal with it as a little kid mm-hmm. I didn't like I didn't want to speak other languages I wanted to be like other I wanted to be like a white, like white kids who only spoke English. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that like I, I, I don't know how to read or write Chinese. Okay. Uh, I never like my mom tried to put me in Chinese school. It lasted like a semester because I just was not interested. I didn't wow. want to. I didn't want to deepen my understanding of the language. Yeah. Um, I wanted to deepen my understanding of English, and. I, I did. I mm-hmm. got really good at reading and writing English. I went to school for English. Right. I became a lawyer probably because of this weird attitude I had as a little kid where That's it's so like only English. Like, yeah. you know, I only want to eat chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the white staple. Yeah. Right. That is chicken nuggets. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I almost have purposefully changed the way I speak to be the opposite, like I start every podcast or, well, I don't start the podcast, but like if I get the chance during this podcast or any other like public thing, I started with, hey Mm y'all, that is like my staple, right? Um, My experience growing up, sometimes my peers would not like me because they felt like I sounded too white. Mm -hmm. And what I think that means for black folks is this person is probably unsafe. Mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. they're probably aligned with white folks they also said I had too many white friends and I 
do always have too many white friends. <laughs> and to be fair, I do have too many white friends. Consistently have too many white friends. Um, but I have learned that like, oh, I think that means that you seem unsafe because it has actually like trickled even into my professional world. I code switch like hell when I'm in the workplace. Mm. Um, and I realized this, <laughs> one of my jobs, all right, so I had like conflict with people. They would always, I would ask them for stuff in email. Hello, please see the attached XYZ at your convenience. Please send me blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't have it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't until we started a black staff affinity group after George Floyd. Mm. <laughs> And every Friday we would be in there talking shit and there was no white people. One time one white guy tried to come and I just flat out said, oh, do we have white people in this space? And that made the converse. I was 10 minutes late, but I was just like, I know I just arrived, but there's a white person, right? And that's never happened before. Let's have a conversation. Um, and as soon as I said it, he was really cool. He was like, you know what? This does seem like it's you all space. Like I'm, I'm good. Mm. But that changed the way my colleagues, my black coworkers interacted with me oh, okay. because they saw me. Because the gate only, swing swung the other way. Yes. They saw me only around black people and they were like, oh, she's actually down. I remember I went to one of the buildings and somebody said, here come Miss Angela Davis now. I said, six <laughs> white people are around. Like, don't, don't. That's between us and the black staff affinity group. But yeah, blue, blue that's blue. my experience was that my mom worked so hard that I didn't sound like my peers mm -hmm. that like I actually think it's threatening, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't sound like me. You mm -hmm. sound like them and what they mean to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That probably sounds crazy to you all because I've stopped code switching. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. I mm -hmm. makes, it makes sense to me. Well, I'm curious about what, how you're receiving this, Chris. Or, I mean, I know you're aware of code switching, oh, yeah, obviously, totally. at this point. But, like, do, do you have any similar kind of experience as a white man as a white person do you talk any less like a white man <laughs> <laughs> are there because uh, yeah do you, are, is there anything that you do um <laughs> i i think i do interesting i think okay. i do i mean like the and it and it's like and actually you could you could check me on this because there's spaces that we've occupied together but i do i do think when I'm in spaces like like participatory defense spaces where there are more black people in those spaces, um, and there is like there is less of a code switch automatically. Like I'm trying to find my way in. Interesting. Um, and so like I I think what I do is I become more boisterous. Like I get a little louder and goofier. Um, and maybe even more aggressive. Really? <laughs> Not like just. You I, saw the way my I, face changed as soon as you used that word. I turn my I turn the volume up on like some of my um, uh -huh. my antics. And why do you think you do that? Like, what are you trying to um, project? Well, for one thing, I mean, I think those spaces just like they're more energetic they automatically. Are. They are. Mm -hmm. I can understand um, because yeah. because because people are excited to be around other people like them. Both. Both in the sense of um, race, which is definitely at play, for the other reason, which is so many of them have lived experience in traumatic situations um, connected with, like, policing and, and prisons. So, like, people 
are excited to be around one another in a familial setting and one that's not that one that is not my own mm-hmm. like i'm there as an honoree mm-hmm. um and and so for those reasons i'm 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 trying to fit in yeah mm. yeah i see that you you speak spanish too right i speak spanish um the my earliest exposure to spanish was kids in my neighborhood who um because i grew up in colorado and these were these were kids who like had come up through el paso um, uh-huh. I don't know which side of the border they started on, but their folks didn't speak English. Hmm. Um, How good is your Spanish? I can be understood uh-huh. better than I can understand. Like Same. you, you can like like you can keep me out of the conversation just by speaking at just just like speaking at a regular pace with your with your Spanish speaking compadres, and you will lose me in two to three sentences. Mm. I always say, Master Spacio. <laughs> yeah. Like I like, say it as long I'm like, this is how you gotta say it to me if you want me to say it. Right? Generally you speaking, I I can say what I need to say uh-huh. to be understood, but that's you know, so I can I can ask directions and I can, you know, like I I, I mm. I can explain myself, but if you want to tell me a story in detail, like, like you said, like you're gonna mm. have to do it real slow for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> I mean, I like the fact that you're conscious of the fact that being in different situations makes you present differently. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think frequently, I think it's that's something that persons of color are hyper conscious of. Yes. You know, like I'm very conscious of how it'll come across if I speak, if I if I'm speaking another language and what the way people will perceive me if mm-hmm. I'm in front of white people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when I do talk about white people in front of white people and I'm speaking <laughs> another language, I'm like, that's like a secret thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I love that, by the way. I think that's, that's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, but I think frequently, um, maybe it's because white people are always, like, in the, like in the middle. They're always the one being considered. Mm-hmm. They, they, it's hard for them to understand this code switching thing. So sometimes they'll get offended, like they'll feel left out yeah. because they're not used to feeling left out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, you can count me in that mix. Like it doesn't always feel good that like I don't know the the context or the references. I mean that's not something anybody has to apologize for, but it's on the table. Like right. Yeah. Like it comes up. Yeah, and like rightly so. Like I, like there's reasons I get left out. Earlier like, we were talking about white people using slang, especially now with like. TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So parts of language that used to be exclusively part of certain communities. Um, right. Like uh, black twi- TikTok or black Twitter. Like, right. Specifically black, black Twitter, slang. for instance, black slang. Or like black ballroom language, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. That's a good point, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Gay ballroom. Yes, queen. Yeah. Like the fact that I even know about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It speaks volumes yeah. that you know that the that black, like that actually is exactly what is irritating me. Right. <laughs> like, with, right. like it's all of these things right. are too well known. And I know a lot of people talk about gatekeeping, but I think black people, I implore you to gatekeep mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Stop saying this stuff on TikTok. I just, I get concerned that we are going to lose our language um, and lose our culture if it is so easily con- consumable yeah. on yeah. TikTok yeah. in like 10 seconds. No, I hear that. Yeah. Like what we said, what I was saying earlier is I've noticed if I'm watching like a video on Instagram, a reel or a TikTok, 
I'll see a white woman who's like my age talking about it's giving broke. Mm -hmm. Girl, how you know how to use that well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, not only are you using it, I remember when, when back in two th 2014 when white women were saying fleek flagrantly, right? It was terrible. <laughs> they didn't know how to use it correctly and in a sentence. And now fleek is dead, right? Fleek is dead, but also y'all are using these phrases correctly. Yeah. That is new, mm -hmm. right? Even 10 years ago, that mm -hmm. wasn't happening. You might've had access to it, yeah. but you weren't using it correctly. Now it is effortless. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hmm, what is going to happen to black communication, right? It's not, what I love about being black, one is that we can look at each other and say stuff when mm -hmm. white people are around. We don't have another language. <laughs> so it just be eyes, like girl, what? Um, but we also have these like phrases that we understood. I also yeah. mentioned, like if I walk into a room and I'm like, listen, all my life I had to fight, right? Mm -hmm. We know that something happened to me earlier that I'm frustrated about it. Probably men were involved, right? Mm -hmm. And that is understood amongst the like <laughs> black American diaspora, right? But those things are starting to spread, right? Like yeah. They're not just ours. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah, it almost feels like we're losing something. We're almost losing our language. I, and I think there's probably another dimension to it where it's also kind of unfair and unjust <laughs> that white people can, like, pick stuff up. can pick stuff up and they get to, like, when a white person says, I don't know, bet or something. Like, it signals to other people that this is a white person that's, like instantly cool instantly cool they mm -hmm. instantly get that cultural cachet they never had to learn how to navigate code switching nope they, there's no like there's no there's just they they get to yeah. appropriate something that they had no part in and it gives them like cultural cachet, cachet. yeah yeah no they totally. give all the fun parts of of totally. being black until the cops come then they get to be white again right and it's very irritating yeah I think that's a fair assessment, and I've, I've definitely used those tools to my advantage when I can. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Um, I, it's funny, though, when, when you were talking about, like, losing language, I, these days, I guess because I'm, you know, like, my mid-40s, I just figure if I know about it, it's already, like, people, like, people have already moved uh -huh. on. Like, mm -mm. I, don't, I don't necessarily share that concern. Yours is coming from a different place in mine, but I'm just like, if I, if I know about it, like like something new is happening it's just like like you know every time like i hear that ringing in my ear uh -huh. i know that's just another Wait, why did you say mm -mm. you don't think that's true you think chris is like <laughs> no i think that like you're actually on it now chris mm. i've known you for about 10 years i think it's 10 years this year <laughs> uh -huh. and yeah i feel like the stuff that you talk about now is more present to being like still in the pop culture i yeah. don't i don't think you're you think i caught up yeah oh I do. geez <laughs> i mean that's I that, that's well done chris i yeah but then like but then that that just like sort of like cements your concern yeah right? <laughs> like because even Chris, <laughs> even Chris is caught up. Like, right. what, what hope did the rest oh, of us Oh, and it only took him 10 years. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's Black terrifying. Black Twitter is dead. Chris, knows Chris what we're it. talking about. <laughs> oh, no. Next step, dreads. No. Absolutely not. White people dreads are so wild to me every single time. Every time. I'm like, damn. Every time I see a white person with dreads, I'm like, seriously, dude? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Ugh. 
So what do we think about, I always do this. My transitions are so, my Jesus transitions are bad. But what do we think about Jesus and languages? First and foremost, Jesus spoke a couple of languages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are those languages? Hebrew and Aramaic that we know, right? And also probably Latin. Did Jesus speak Hebrew? Don't actually know. Maybe he did. Because all of his translations are by where other people, right? Well, Hebrew at the time was probably some... Some seminarian is going to be listening to this, and well, write into us because y'all yeah, haven't been Brian's going to text anyway. me and tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Hebrew at the time was mainly a liturgical language, and most people in Palestine spoke Aramaic, and the common language was Greek. It was Greek. Interesting. So Jesus probably spoke Greek and Aramaic. Some people think he. Here's the thing. Some people think he didn't speak Greek. That he his that the community was so tight knit that he maybe he only spoke Aramaic. But I feel like in my bones that Jesus spoke at least spoke some Greek. I feel like he was like Especially he was a laborer. Travel. I was just gonna say he spoke to people outside the tight knit community. He didn't travel that far, but it was such like a mixing pot of different places of the empire mm-hmm. and like. He worked as a laborer. He he like helped build a, a Roman city, probably when he was growing up. Um, the, the city of Sepphoris was being constructed near his hometown of Nazareth while he was being raised. I would he probably love to like, see a seminary come at Andrew when he's given this much detail. He yeah, probably detail. he probably like went over to construction sites with his dad, and they were probably like talking to the foreman or whatever, right. or like whatever, like to get some lunch they would probably hop over to like probably talking to big meat just like i feel like <laughs> anybody who's grown up in a multi multilingual Society. like environment or like if you're an immigrant who's yeah. been around other people you pick stuff up you know that's a really good point because like you're talking about when you were talking about your your neighbor speaking mm-hmm. spanish yeah i started learning spanish because of the puerto ricans in north philly yeah. that i grew up with mm-hmm. So that that makes the very sense first to me. thing I learned was donkey boogers. Like you, you learn from who you're around. <laughs> How to shoot donkey boogers in Spanish? Well, I feel like mula moco, mula moco. Wow. <laughs> you can tell you first learn with children. That's hilarious that you know that phrase. Because I learned, I, I learned, I learned that, and I learned child. how to say shut up. Those are the two things. First Cay- things I learned. Uh, Cayate. Cayate. I learned that quickly. But yeah, that's what I, I mean. learned by high school. So it was mainly a little bit as a kid, but mainly it was cuss words in high school. <laughs> I I just feel like like these academics who who don't think Jesus spoke different languages think like the only way to learn a language is by like class. S- is, is sitting in a class. But when you're around other people, that, you yeah, pick like, stuff that's up. The worst way to learn a language. Yeah, and also Jesus makes jokes in Greek. He was like he gives everybody weird little nicknames. I shouldn't say weird. I shouldn't insult the hu- sense of humor of our Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but. He gives all his disciples like Greek like nicknames and puns that would only work in Greek, and I just feel like he yeah. probably spoke some. Well, Greek. that's that's like when you can do puns. Actually, you have like you have a you good have a really handle good on a language. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So Jesus probably spoke a few right. lang- more than one language. <laughs> probably had to code switch and probably he, he right. In fact, that he, sparked something, Andrew. He communicates to different groups of people like non-jews yeah in in the gospels he's switching language he's probably switching languages in those interactions yep like when he's talking to a centurion or the syrophoenician woman he's probably speaking greek he's probably switching from aramaic to greek and there are very clear tones of code switching i feel like too with jesus like the way he speaks to the Mm -hmm. um pharisees people in charge 
the way he speaks to the Pharisees is very different than the way he speaks to like a common person or mm-hmm. women um, mm-hmm. and different from the way he's speaking to like a tax auditor. Mm. Yeah, tax that's collector. probably true. There are specific instances in the Gospels where they record what Jesus, his, his, his Aramaic, right. like his, to. his home, his family language, his home language. Um, Talitha kum. Yeah. And his, his I, last words. Iloi, Lama Sabachthani, right. Yeah. But those are, and those are both moments of like. Yeah, they're like, they're, really they're preserved vulnerable. in the Aramaic. He's, they're really vulnerable moments. In one, he says, is when he's raising um, a child. Jairus, Jairus' daughter. Yeah. Oh, Right, yes. Jairus' okay. daughter. And he says to her, little girl, get up. Was this, the cent- no, this wasn't the centurion's daughter. He yeah. Didn't, he didn't enter that house. Yeah, Jairus is a synagogue official. He's the one that was like, well, shit, she's dead now. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got yeah everyone late. around right. him was like, you're too late. Send, a, send the teacher away. And, and Jesus is just like, she's sleeping. And he goes in and he says, get up. In Aramaic, little girl, get up. And for me, like the fact that they record his Aramaic words, it feels like Taiwanese to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like the it's language so dear. that you would use as a fa- with a family member yeah. mm-hmm. where he's saying, little girl, get up. And that's the the words he the specific words in in his his family language it. Aramaic that he uses. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, and then the Gospels also record him using Aramaic on the cross when he mm-hmm. says, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Yeah, and I think probably that's also another example of like he's using his the the language that's like deep the deepest part of him, the, yeah. the Aramaic, the language that he used talking to his mom and dad. The way that I think. In, in in my mind, like the way that Taiwanese feels to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just I went I went a little dark. I was like, Andrew, will your last words be Taiwanese? <laughs> probably. I think. Well, I say probably. I, I should. <laughs> As I'm thinking, I'm. I, my head was thinking when you are most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe that's a better way. To yeah. Look. You lean into like the core of who you are. Mm-hmm. Like you can show up sometimes in those ways. Yeah. So I said probably. I don't. I don't know that to be true. But I'm thinking when you're vulnerable, you go to the languages or the things that comfort you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm thinking of that even on the cross for Jesus of them intentionally recording him speaking in Aramaic. It was a very vulnerable moment, right? Yeah. Before his death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also thought of speaking in tongues because, well, we all grew up Pentecostal. Yep. Did mm-hmm. they speak tongues in your churches? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, there were, there would be lots of moments. This is like, this is wild. Like, and maybe you had these too. Like someone would speak in tongues. Someone else would like offer an interpretation. Like, Nobody offered an interpretation. My, my dad and my, my and like and often Nobody. my my dad. I've never been to a church where somebody yeah. actually offered interpretation. Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, I saw it multiple times as a kid. That's really interesting. Yeah, what were the interpretations? <sighs> well, for us, it was just like whatever. That we was just like whatever prophecy yeah. is happening. Yeah, I don't I, remember um, any of them. I, I don't no, remember any of them specifically. None of it was like, I don't know. Maybe I, because none, none I of was it was very specific. And uh-huh. church was some of my most social interactions. Uh-huh. I can remember certain moments. So that might yeah. be an unfair expectation of y'all. I think it, and well, it like, 
didn't it didn't quite cross over into the mundane because I have like I kind of have specific pictures, but the words aren't clear. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's like partly because I was like under the age of ten, and then you know like the world's kind of fuzzy for me to begin with. And I don't think there's anything specific enough about what was said. Like it, there were like multiple ways you could interpret the interpretation. What's what's your attitude toward tongues? My attitude towards tongues is complicated. So yeah, I had that like immediate, <laughs> nobody was translating shit uh-huh. because tongues in my experience was almost like weaponized and mm-hmm. like, oh, this person is really hearing from the Lord right now. Mm-hmm. And they immediately, like their tongues gets really loud and takes over the space. And, and then it's like, all right, so offering time. Well, what the fuck did they just say? Right, like, huh? what? It wasn't Tongues until I was this prestige. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. like, right? Like, if you didn't have a prayer language, like, well, it was it was kind of like not having boobs. Like, they'll like, <laughs> like, you'll get them at some point. I, I, I like, or, or <laughs> there's something wrong with you. Right. You. That's so funny. To <laughs> Is that the kind that of? Way. I know there are some Pentecostal churches where. <laughs> where uh, everybody speaks, to- or it's expected that you should speak in tongues. Right, and if you the don't, only way. then it probably means that there's something wrong with you, or that like the Holy not. Spirit. Yeah, it was like you. it was. Yeah. yeah, right. This like this sign of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I think. I think why I wanted to include it on the outline is that I do think there's some specialness to having these familial languages, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm the spark that you feel when you hear Taiwanese or speak Taiwanese, I'm almost connecting that to tongues that like, this is this opportunity to have this really special spark and this intimacy with God. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, but I don't speak in tongues. I just find it. That's so interesting that you would offer that. I, I feel like I've come around on tongues just because I'm all about that magic shit now. <laughs> you <laughs> any, are into it. I am. Any any of that weird, anything related to this weird spirituality, I'm very accepting of. And for me, that that umbrella is big enough to include weird stuff that Pentecostals do, yeah. including tongues. Like, if that's what you need to connect to Jesus, go for it. Yeah. I, I'm not into weaponizing it to make people feel less than. Yeah. Or using it to, like... Like shortcut, like circumvent reason or discussion. Like if yeah. somebody is like saying, like this is what God told me, can't really say much to that, you right. know? Right. It was funny. Friends of my mom hosted like a prayer call for her, um, and a bunch of the women. It was some folks who I grew up going to church with, but a bunch of the women were speaking in tongues, and that they translated what they were saying. Mm-hmm. which I appreciated, but I realized I felt really uncomfortable because I have gone to like Methodist and mm-hmm. Anabaptist churches for like the last 20 years. Yeah, where well, we don't do that. Right. So like tongues is like literally like my native tongue. Like I can still hear my mom coming in my bedroom at night, like praying for me and speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. But I have I guess I've created such a distance from it mm-hmm. that it's uncomfortable, but it really intrigues me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you know you're not just babbling? Yeah, definitely. How do you trust that like you're really communicating with God? Mm-hmm. That's special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing that comes to mind is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 
Um, I just looked this up. I did not have this memorized. Chapter 14, verse 14, where he says, um, where he mentions, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Mm. His purpose in this chapter is to say, I think, is to talk about how if somebody's speaking in tongues at a meeting, you should probably offer some interpretation uh, because... But, but orderly. Yeah, but, but, the, but the fact that he acknowledges that it's possible to pray where your spirit is praying, but your mind isn't... Is still moving. Is, is, yeah. is, is not quite there. Mm-hmm. Like, you might not know what you're saying is interesting. And uh, biblical scholars aren't exactly... Not everybody agrees that what we call speaking in tongues is what is translated in the New Testament as speaking in tongues. Some people say it might just be a way of saying different languages. But if that's the case, then how do you explain something like this verse, where it seems like Paul is talking about something that's pretty close to what we would call tongues? Yeah. Some people charge that you might start speaking a different language that's not native to you. Mm-hmm. And so in that case... Which does happen in the book of Acts. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. the story. Of that, that's, that's the Pentecost story. That's yeah. Happened. So I wonder if that is the same thing, though, because if mm-hmm. I just randomly started speaking Arabic, I'd have no idea what I was saying. Right. I've, I have wondered, I've thought a lot about tongues because I'm like, I've heard it all my life, and yet I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, maybe it's a different language. Like, actually, mm-hmm. these people are babbling. Mm-hmm. But tongues is actually like being yeah. overcome with the spirit and knowing a, a language that is that you aren't familiar with. I mm-hmm. don't know. Anyways, I took us in a different direction. But... I don't know. I'm I, I I am on board, and I I feel like we've talked about magic every single podcast well, since Tess. But I I. The, I think we need a little bit of magic, Jesus. Glossolalia, the speaking in tongues, ecstatic sound that you make mm-hmm. are a part of not just the Christian religious tradition, but so many other spiritual and religious traditions where people are connecting to the divine. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a legitimate way to connect to God. Totally. And I think it, if you have the affinity for it and you practice it and it's, and you've, you, and you, it's okay to not know what you're saying mm-hmm. and it's okay to be making sounds that you don't know that you don't have the meaning of because my point there is that god is bigger than just in our protestant tradition we're all about understanding and believing and reasoning but it's okay i think to live into ways of connecting to god that have nothing to do with reason yeah that Mm. are purely bodily like the sound Mm -hmm. that you're making yeah i think that is a legitimate way to pray yeah you can pray through screaming if you need to i think that's okay yeah um and i think and I'm glad that, like, tongues is a part of our weird Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think that's completely okay. Yeah. 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 That feels like a good place to close it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the last thing we like to do is talk about whatever we're into this week. Beth, do you want to kick us off? Yes. So during the pandemic i discovered a page called black liturgies um written by cole arthur riley um she writes these daily prayers that are justice centered that are black centered that are liberation centered and they are they were just such a bomb during the pandemic and beyond and she has released two books um the first being this here flesh i think last year 
And then just recently, as of last week, I attended an event hosted by Uncle Bobby, this uh, author like book release where uh, Cole Arthur Riley was there. She was so incredible and so well thought out. So I am into the gentle, calm, monotone spirit, um, the gospel of Cole Arthur Riley. Hmm. Cool. Nice. And I think we're using uh, black liturgies in our Lent liturgies this year. Awesome. Yeah. Um, we're fostering a cat that's pretty cute. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Through a network or did yeah, you find we, it? Um, so there's a, there's a, there's a, like the local cat people in, in West Philly are Project Meow. And meow is an acronym, but I couldn't tell you what it means. Um, <laughs> okay. and, and and basically, the the portal for us has been our friend who who like takes these cats in, and then like hands them over to to Project Meow, which is great for us because like they'll they'll help like cover the cost of like the things a cat needs, like getting fixed and getting shots. Um, so it's like a little there's a little Project Meow shout out, and the 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 cat's name because they have like a brown coat and they've got like a little tuft of white on their chest. They look like they look like a little baked potato. Well, that's cute. <laughs> so the, the cat's name is Tater. Nice. Um, I'm, you know, like we tried fostering a cat last year. It's like, it's one thing to have a cat in a bathroom, then introduce it to your cat and find out this isn't working. So who knows where this will go, but she's adorable. Oh yeah. Shout out to Tater. Hey Tater. Tater. My mom had a coworker named Tater. <laughs> a, hu- a human person. A human person. His name was Tater. So he was really good at cooking. All right. Uh, I am into uh, the Lunar New Year, uh, which is yes. yeah. So this year, New Year's Lunar New Year's Eve is uh, the ninth, and New Year's Day is tenth, and we're surrounded right now by decorations. It is the They're year beautiful. of the dragon. Oh, that nice. was the year when you were born, that's, right? That is my year. You were born in the so year of the dragon. this is the third cycle for me. So that's what I'm into. Awesome. Lunar New Year. Nice. Uh, special thanks to Tess Patino, our social media goddess. Jared Selby does our theme song, and Amy Young does our website. And I miss shouting out Joe Mahoney. Joe Mahoney. I miss shouting him me out too. because of all the change. I so know. Joe. Thank you for the years of dedication um, that you had. I really miss hearing your name at the end. Joe's got his master's degree now. That's really? true, yeah. Yeah, like Joe is, Joe's climbing, he's, he's climbing the ranks and, and um, I, like, I love, I love seeing his, his posts come up because I'm like, yeah. I know that guy and he's smashing it. Awesome. So with that, we want to hear from y'all. We haven't heard from you guys in a really long time. So please write into us, visit us at colorcorrectionpodcast.com because we want to hear about your anti-racism and the way you're following Jesus in race and faith and all that jazz. Leave us a message in tongues. Do not leave us a message in tongues because that's going to freak me out so bad. And especially don't leave like a, a podcast, Apple podcast review in tongues. Don't do it. Um, so with that, stay black, little mermaid.